welcome back to another episode of Here for the Booze. I'm your host, Jax, and we're on to part two of how scary movies changed after scary movie. <laughs> so yeah, so let's, uh, I don't want to dive in just yet. I wanted to, like I always do, give you a little life update that nobody asked for. Um, <laughs> not really much has been going on. Just been trying to enjoy the last weeks of summer and last weeks without kids at school. So that's been pretty good. Uh, I work at a college. I am not a teacher. I'm just like staff. So, um, I don't normally have to deal with like undergraduates. I have to deal with a lot of grad and postdoc students. So yeah, not that bad, but, um, the summer, I mean, excuse me, during the school year, obviously like the campus is more crowded. Everything is just a little more chaotic and yeah. So just been dealing with, you know, ramping back up for school. I have a very busy, like six weeks. Um, I have a bachelorette next weekend that I'm pretty excited about. And then, um, I have some little, uh, yeah, because then it's like end of August and like school starting again. So I wanted to like do a Salem trip that last weekend in August. And then pretty much after Labor Day, it's Silver Scream Con and then it's Terror Con. So yeah, so I'm just looking forward to the con- the conventions that I have and doing some fun things. I feel like the beginning of the summer was bummer so (laughs) not only the weather but just like everything that was going on with me and you know I'm just kind of hoping that I can like make all that up and we're just gonna have a nice warm you know September so I can like do a bunch of stuff because I finally like went to the beach for the first time last week yeah that was crazy um no it was fun and stuff but it's just crazy to think that like the beginning of August was the first time I'd been to the beach the whole time in 2023 so yikes but I, uh, definitely looking forward to that, and I just got some movies from Vinegar Syndrome that I've been waiting on for a long time. (laughs) Remind me to never, ever, 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 ever place an order in July again, because that was painful. I had to wait, like, 36 days or 37 days. It was crazy. Which I wish that they had just said, like, yo, it's probably going to take, like, a long time. Like, instead of just saying, like, orders are going to start shipping this day... They should have just said, like, hey, like, bad bad time to order. <laughs> but it's fine because it's here and nothing was damaged and it's not like anything went out of stock. So I really have nothing to complain about except the fact that I had to fucking wait. But that's all right. Other than that, I mean, just, you know, just getting along. <laughs> but writing this uh, episode was actually, like, pretty fun because 2006 had some pretty good movies and then 2007 had a shit ton of bangers so let's just fucking jump right in then right let's just get into it don't really have oh I I think I talked about it last time though that I saw talk to me did I talk about that I feel like I did I don't even remember now see like this is this is how bad this is I feel like I had seen it but yeah I haven't really um, seen anything new really but I have like a lot of like fun facts that I learned about um, for these movies that we're going to talk about for 2006 and 7 so yeah again let's just get into it alright again these movies are in alphabetical order I am not researching exactly when everything came out because some of these it was released at like a film festival and then I find out that like the US theatrical date was like much later so sometimes like the just keep that in mind 
this is just like a vague, you know, placeholder for when movies come out. I'm not trying to be 100% correct. I'm just trying to give you some type of facts. And again, I don't always include um, films in other countries, but if it is, you know, impactful later on, I will kind of like mention it later. So just, you know, reminding everybody of all of that. Sorry, the cat is right here. If you can hear him like jumping up. But I am drinking a high noon vodka soda. I already opened one because I was home a little bit earlier today and my husband was, you know, using his computer. So I cracked one and he got the, I think it's called the um, tailgate pack and it has the fucking cranberry and pear flavors. Yeah, don't sleep on those. There used to be this like, as I go into a tangent when I said I was going to start the podcast, there used to be this it's it's spritz or I can't remember. There was this like seltzer, I think it was like four years ago and they had this like golden pear and it was a tiny bit on the sweet side, but it was definitely like nice and refreshing and, and, you know, not heavy, like pear flavored. It was just so fucking good. And then they stopped making it and it was kind of nice to find that high noon had a pear. Doesn't taste like the other one that we had had, but close. And the cranberry one is delicious though. So high noon, can you please get on it to give me a four pack of the cranberries? I'd appreciate it because it is really good. It's not, I kind of wanted it to be more tart, but I mean, it's hard. Like took a sip. It's like a, yeah, I feel like I'd compare it to like a, a cranberry juice cocktail that's been watered down. <laughs> Whereas I, I would have wanted it to be very tart and not sweet. Not that this is sweet. I don't know. I'm not describing it. Great. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go get the tailgate, bleh, tailgate pack of the high noons. And it's, yeah, it's black cherry, cranberry, pear and grapefruit those are the four flavors that it comes with so yeah anyway so I'll crack another one in a minute because this one I pretty much have like a sip left so starting from alphabetical order just a gentle reminder uh we're gonna start with all the boys love Mandy Lane and we've got uh Amber Heard starring in this and this is actually another movie I haven't seen and surprise surprise but I don't really see too many people talk about it so maybe it's not that great or maybe it'll blow up. But I mean, it's pretty much a typical like high school kind of, you know what I mean, movie. But definitely, I don't think it's something that I, like I said, I don't really hear too many people talk about it, but I don't know. Maybe it's worth the watch. Is this something you guys have seen? I don't know. But it did come out in 2006. All right. And next up we have, I don't really have much to say about that one. Sorry. <laughs> not much to say. Uh, next up we have one of my favorite fucking mockumentary-ish style movies. And we have Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. I'm pretty sure I've talked about it before, but honestly, I just fucking love, love, love this movie. Mockumentary done right and had really great acting and the story was in line with the tropes and not that like we expected everything, but we knew when to expect shit. And like, I just felt like it was served up on this nice little platter. You know what I mean? All like tied up in a bow. You know, the, the first like, yeah, like pretty much the first like half of the movie. You know what I mean? You're just kind of like following this quote unquote like serial killer around. And so I, I really just thought that that was a really fun idea. And I think that, you know, this is when we start embracing the comedy and like a stellar way. I feel like it's not just like boob jokes or dick jokes or stupid. 
stupid, you know, just dumb, you know, high school joke. You know what I mean? It's actually like funny because it's clever and it's poking fun at things that are supposed to be scary. I mean, like you're seeing, they're following a guy who's trying to be a serial killer around. So I mean, like how more like meta can you get? You know, and I'm, and I'm not sure if this movie would have been made if Scary Movie didn't open the satirical door, right? I mean, would this movie have been made the way that it was, poking fun at the things that, you know what I mean, that we all want out of horror? And perfect movie to definitely watch with friends or pop on at a party toward the end of the night or at the beginning of the night, you know what I mean, especially since it's it's got a really great strong ending in my opinion and you absolutely have to watch the credits through like it's one of those movies that it's not a long you know sequence of credits so watch till the end it's i promise it's worth it and you know i really feel like this movie truly deserves all the love and a nice restoration please you know, kidding. But I felt like, you know, when you're watching the mockumentary part of the movie, you know, it's worse quality than, obviously, a, you know, expensive, high-powered film camera. You know what I mean? And I feel like you could just, like, totally tell the difference. But I feel like, I don't know, call me crazy. I'd like a, a nice restorative <laughs> copy of this. I don't know. We'll see. Not that the, the Scream Factory one is fine. It has, you know, a ton of extras and stuff like that, but I do think it would be cool to get, like, a better, yeah, more updated, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just crazy, you know, and I, you know, I, I quote the why so much cardio line, like, all the time, like, I just love it. Why so much cardio? Um, it's just, it's, I feel like it answers all the questions, I think, too, about, how we perceive these movies and then this movie just kind of shows you like okay well you see it that way and then there's here's the explanation and I feel like yeah it's not probably an accurate answer or but it it I don't know I I don't know a lot of easter eggs in this movie as far as you know he lives in the world of Freddie and Michael and Jason so that's also a bold statement to say that all of those people timeline wise are, you know what I mean, like, in the same world. I mean, not timeline, but, yeah, in the same multiverse. <laughs> but, no, I thought that that was, you know, very clever, very clever. All right, and then we have the Black Christmas remake. Guys, this movie has grown on me so much over the last four years. I really, really like it. <laughs> and I feel like it's become something that I absolutely love to watch over you know Christmas and things like that like I I definitely enjoy it as a a listen or excuse me a listen geez as a watch you know during the holidays I definitely feel like for me it's earned a place it's fun you know it's nice and bright so but let me let me pop this other high noon real quick all right yeah I literally had like three sips of that other one but Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, I actually don't even own this movie. And I've been trying to get it. And funny story, I thought I bought the Blu-ray of it. But then when I got it, it was a different copy of not, like, the Scream Factory copy of the 78 one or the 74 one. It was, like, 
I mean, it wasn't a copy of the 2006 one. It was a different copy. I'm sorry, I'm like saying this all wrong. It was not the Scream Factory original, you know, quote unquote, restored version of it. It was a Blu-ray version that the studio put out, probably that went out of print before Scream Factory got the rights. You know what I mean? So I thought it was the 2006 one because I'm a fucking idiot and I didn't check. And I put it on and I'm looking at the DVD screen and I'm like, oh no. And then I play it. And I'm like, God damn it. This is a 70s movie. Like I could just tell from the fucking credits in the beginning. I could just, I could just tell. Okay. Sorry. I had the cat in here and he was okay. And then not okay. My goodness. I just want to get through this. <laughs> sorry. All right. Um, so anyway, so yeah, I like, I, I really wanted to own, you know, the 2006 one on Blu-ray that failed and it's never, I mean, don't let me, let me say it this way. It is for free, like Hulu, but I like have to have a subscription. I think it's been on, um, it's been on, I think Tubi. So like you got to watch some commercials, but like, I just, again, I just like to have the physical copy. If I really like it and I like to watch it more than, you know, twice a year or something like that, like, or if it's never on TV, like, this movie is usually not on TV, and even if it was, it would probably be fucking edited to shit, you know, I hate waiting to stream stuff, so I'm, you know, I've been, like, so tempted to buy it digitally, because I'm annoyed, and I learned my lesson, um, after buying Valentine digitally, because the Blu-ray was so expensive, I got impatient, was like, fine, it's cheap to, you know, buy it and keep it on my fire, you know what I mean, digitally, and then the Blu-ray went on sale, like, super cheap, like, right after that. And I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> great. Great. So, because, um, yeah, the Blu-ray was, like, $30 or something crazy. But that was honestly probably with the slip. So I'm kind of stupid for not fucking picking that fucking thing up. But that's okay. It's okay. Not everything needs a slip cover, right? Right. So, Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I like a good deal on stuff. I, you know, I like to get a good deal on things. Yeah, who doesn't? Who doesn't, you know, not want to spend like $30, you know what I mean, on one fucking movie. So, but yes, I did like that in this remake, they went in a totally different direction than the original and they give us more. And do not get me wrong, I do love the original Black Christmas for sure. But I was always so annoyed that we never knew who the fuck was killing everyone, right? Like, what? how could, like, I get the, amb the ambiguity keeps it scary, keeps it, you know, but damn, like, another reason I cannot watch crime shows with no resolution, like disappeared or missing or unsolved, whatever, it's super hard for me to, because the analytical part of me is like, what is the fucking answer? What? happened <laughs> like I what is going on so anyway oh this was a very bad autocorrect next movie is supposed to be creep show three and it said feel show feels how yeah <laughs> not even close but anyway creep show three came out in 2006 but I want to say it's maybe more like 2007 but either way it came out in the 2000s Another unseen movie from me, <laughs> but from the sounds of the reviews, I am not missing much. But if you do love this, that's great. I think it's, I think it's, honestly, I think it's cool when people like movies that other people hate. You know what I mean? I, I think that 
that is super like special, you know, like I've, I've been listening to the Smartless podcast and I'm catching up. So I'm on like, you know, the one of the, the second year that they were doing it in 2021 and Aquafina came on an episode. And if you don't know what Smartless is, it's Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes and Will Arnett. And the three of them are really good friends and they have this show and one of them brings a guest on that the other two don't know about and, you know, chaos ensues. And it's really funny. And when Aquafina came on, she was like, can I just like say something really quick to Jason Bateman? He was like, yeah. And she's like, I love the movie Love Stinks. And then she goes on this giant rant and I've never fucking heard of this movie. So I Googled it and... It's a Jason Bateman movie, and let me pull it up because I wanted to say who else was in it. Yeah, like Tyra Banks is in it, French Stewart, Bridget Wilson, who's in a bunch of stuff, Jeff Franklin, Tiffany Thiessen, like, what is this? Shea Marks, Shannon Moclier, um, let me see who else is in this. It was just, like, really random and funny that, like, I didn't even remember ever hearing about this. You know what I mean? It says Ryan Reynolds and like a bunch of other people are in it. Now I like have to watch it. Jerry O'Connell, Alyssa, ooh, I can't be right. I'm like not on the movie, but anyway, um, it definitely, uh, but he was like, oh my God, you've seen that. And like, I always like feel like that's such a cool show of like admiration to somebody that like you knew something that they were in when they were not really that famous you know what I mean and I feel like that's why I find it like a point to remind people of things that people are in like I made a comment about um the guy the friend in Teen Wolf what's his name the friend of Michael J Fox that like has the uh the van and you know what I mean um that actor his name is Jerry Levin, Levine or Levin, he plays a gay man on Will and Grace with Sean Hayes. So like, I like, well, not with Sean Hayes, but like in Will and Grace as like another gay couple with another famous actor that we've seen in so many movies, including Knocked Up. But he's married to this man. He's really funny. And I just feel like I, I love like seeing like, oh my God, he was in fucking Teen Wolf. And Jason Bateman was in Teen Wolf too, if you did not know that. And it was funny, like they talk about it on the podcast. I don't know, but sorry, sidebar, <laughs> funny story. But it was really cool to like hear Aquafina like gush to him about how much she used to watch that movie all the time. And like, same thing with me, like Ewoks and like those movies, if there was a famous person in it that was famous now, are you kidding me? I'd be like, oh my God. I was obsessed with Ewoks, like, because I was, but it's just really cool to, like, recognize early work. Now, I don't know, I just, I just thought that was a really interesting story, but there's all, there's always these movies of, like, oh, yeah, like, they were in that, and then people forget, and then they get really big, and people are like, oh, shit, but that's why I always joke that, like, everybody starts in horror, so there you go. All right, next up, we're still only on D, guys. We're still only on D in 2006. <laughs> Dark Ride. So not sure if this is from the first cycle of the eight films that die for after Dark Horror Fest movies, but I do remember definitely watching this in college because the kid from The Sandlot is in this. Hell yeah, kids. Patrick Renna is in this, if you did not know. It's an original story about a group of older teens, early 20s. I really don't remember how old they're supposed to be, but they visit a theme park where there was once a couple girls murdered. And a bunch of weird shit happens, but it's, these were the movies that for me felt very like 
indie. <laughs> you know, this was like my first probably exposure into low budget indie films was were these eight films to die for. So I totally think that it's pretty interesting that now when we look back on them, there's actually a ton of famous people in them. So yeah. All right. Next up, we got Eva Bong. I imagine this would also be a great party movie to watch drunk with a bunch of friends, right? I've heard decent things about these movie and um, movies, and they are definitely on my list to check out. But these are a set of, this started with this one, Evil Bong. It's like Evil Bong 666, Evil Bong versus Ginger Dead Man. Like there's a lot of these like spinoff type movies from this one that um, I actually haven't seen. So surprise, surprise. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Final Destination 3, an excellent installment in the franchise. Has the original director from the first one amazing opening and ending scene I might add yeah guys I do love this one the tanning beds Mary Elizabeth Weinstead and Disney's Ryan Merriman <laughs> yeah this one has a lot of epic scenes and dialogue for sure and I'm glad this came out and you know it might add some new tropes but this is a this isn't a slasher. So I feel like these movies dealt a little more with like someone's coming to get you and it's uncontrollable and the tropes are going to change because it's going to look like you accidentally. I don't know. I just I feel like these movies definitely added more I think to horror than I think people realize because there is a sense of quote-unquote realism, more realism to these movies than I feel you know, just a typical slasher, because like I said, like, I mean, the opening scene in this is a bunch of kids fucking going into a theme park right before they graduate and they go on a roller coaster and then there's an accident. So, I mean, that happens, whether it's a car accident or whatever, but I just thought that, that was kind of interesting how they really dove a little bit. I felt like they dove, I don't, I don't really want to say deeper than two, but it's not as funny as, I mean, it's funny, but yeah, I don't know. I felt like this one had a, a little more seriousness behind it. But yeah, this one came out in 2006. Next up, we have The Grave Dancers, which is another eight films to die for. Over these next two years, I'm going to be talking a lot about these movies. So just bear with me because there's a fuck ton of them. And um, definitely an original story of some college friends visiting a departed friend's grave and find a mysterious envelope. After reading it, they dance, and as instructed, in... After reading it, they dance as instructed in the envelope as a celebration of life, and then weird things start happening. It's been a while since I've actually watched this one, too, and, you know, I would really love for all these movies to get a Blu-ray Blu upgrade or all be able to be streamed. I know you can stream most of these, so keep your eyes out, um... Yeah, I wish you could look them up under, like, the eight films to die for, but I think you have to, like, look them up online and then find the individual names of the movies. And then we have The Grudge 2 with Amber Tamblin. Another one I have not seen. Surprise, surprise. Um, was this sequel, sequel worth it? Maybe I should check it out. I don't know. I feel like I, I always hear conflicting things about The Grudge movies. But I will say that, and I think I said this when I talked about the first Grudge, like, it didn't really leave any impressions on me especially the ending of it all I remember is the opening scene of like Sarah Michelle Gellar like walking into that house like that's all I remember 
And then I don't know what happens the rest of the movie. <laughs> so we, oh, the second one, I wasn't rushing out to go watching it. But that's okay. <laughs> All right. Now we're getting into some real tropey shit. We got Hatchet. Yes. Getting down to the new tropes. This franchise created its own story, tropes, and everything, which is parallel to slashers we love, but upped with gore and ridiculousness in the best ways. I mean, we have Adam Green, who is local to Massachusetts, or was a local to Massachusetts, from Holliston, Massachusetts, and he created this story of, you know, somebody who was almost almost kind of starts like... Um, the burning, you know what I mean? Where a bunch of kids are, you know, harassing the local person that looks a little different, you know, stupid shit. But I, I liked these movies. I felt like you can't take these as serious. They're definitely shocking. I wouldn't say scary. I would say they're definitely a little more shocking because the, the humor in them is so thick which is fine, um, but they are definitely a lot more core, horror, core, core. I just made up a new word: comedy and horror. Core. <laughs> no, it's definitely more comedy leaning. Um, but I will say, the grap, the effects and the and the gore and it's graphic. So like, I guess it's probably comparable to like at um, Dale versus Tucker, Dale and Tucker versus Evil or whatever that movie is. So not Shaun of the Dead, but that other one. With um, that redheaded guy that I can't think of. He's Steve the Pirate and fucking Dodgeball. <laughs> oh, God, I love that movie. Anyway, but yes, so Hatchet came out in 2006, so definitely excited about that. And again, we're, we're coming up with, okay, we're sick of the things that we know. Let's try some new stuff. Let's bring in some different kinds of characters. Let's bring in, you know, a New Orleans scene. Let's bring in the swamps. Let's bring in, you know... Tony Todd like now this has a very big Kate Hodder's in it um Danielle Harris doesn't come till the second and third so she's not in this one a different girl plays Mary Beth next up we have the Hills Have Eyes remake honestly I have only seen this one and not the original just like Invasion of the Body Snatchers but this one was scary I remember the first time I saw it being like what the fuck is this like it was so just like down your throat you know what I mean and you know when he's like sucking that girl's boob to get milk like it was just still fucking gets me and it's just such a dirty dirty movie that's like the only thing I can all ever think of when I think of this version of it just fucking dirty you know what I mean and I thought it was very well done I thought it was fucking scary you know um definitely up on my top remake list for sure so and I think that we do have a lot of good remakes that have come out and I and I will say that keeping the original people as part of the remake is critical because those easter eggs and those little things that people might remember from the original like fuck yeah that better be there because that's just a nod to the audience you know a little wink a little nudge <laughs> so I definitely love that so you know I I feel like this movie really was able to go where the original 70s one just could not you know um definitely effective <laughs> and then we have I'll always know what you did last summer 
was this a made for TV movie? Cause it feels like it. <laughs> Started out as a great story, but then it just like felt so cheesy and poorly executed. I feel like this could have been a nice installment because we were trying to, you know, it starts out with the kids playing a prank and somebody dying from the prank uh, for real. And it, to me, it felt like the beginning was very strong. But then the movie just falls apart, just like the group of friends. So I'm not sure if that's what it was, or I don't, I don't know. It was just really, really frustrating. You know what I mean? Because the first one was great, classic, and then the second one is just kind of like, all right, here we go again. Not bad, but I didn't really feel like besides Brandy, it added anything to the stories, but. What are you going to do? Um, but yeah, I mean, I I just feel like, too, like, it lacked the love we had for the main characters in the first two. Like, we just didn't... I don't know. But I will say, like, the end of the movie of this one was pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of cheesy. It definitely feels made for TV. But I did end up buying the... Um, all three of these on Blu-ray, but it's a... Um, it's not a U.S. region release, it's, uh, I think it's a European, I think, I forget, I got it on eBay, but other people have it. But I thought, you know, I definitely want the original in 4K. Do I need the second and the third? Not so much. You know what I mean? So I am excited to recheck it out. I just have to set up my region-free Blu-ray player <laughs> eventually. All right, and then we have another remake for 2006. We got The Omen. And I actually have not seen this as the one with Julia Stiles. I have not seen this since it came out, but I don't remember hating it. Slow burn, me, slow burn movies are hard for me because I really have to be in the mood to be paying attention. And whatever I'm watching better be making me pay attention. I feel like a lot of movies can lean heavy on dialogue, lean heavy on filler scenes. You know, I feel like what really gets a slow burn movie going are things that you see that you're not supposed to or the conversations that people are having are starting to add up to something. So I feel like if you're just going to have a slow burn movie and then you have to kind of wait to see how this person like plays everything out, there better be some filler moments of dread or something. You know what I mean? There's got to be something to hold you in there. And I think that I'm trying to think of a good slow burn movie. I mean, I really did like Ghost Story. I, I have to watch it again. I wanted to actually write an episode about it. I just haven't had the chance because I kind of wanted to get this out and the other series that I just did. So I, you know, I wanted to really just harp on that but anyway but I you know I did want to rewatch it because I know people that do like this version but I, I also feel like not that it was shot for shot but it was definitely like very parallel to the original they they cut out a couple things you know what I mean but you know maybe I'd like it more now because I'm a little more mature who knows <laughs> all right next up we have Penny Dreadful another eight films to die for movie that I watched and had an original story for horror. A girl is traumatized after the, the car accident that killed her parents, and her therapist is taking her on a road trip to the mountains to overcome her fear. Sounds happy, right? 
Um, of course things go wrong and shit hits the fan and I think their car breaks down and like all this stuff. I remember feeling very panicked watching this and I definitely need to rewatch it. I mean, I think on eBay I saw somebody selling every single eight films to die for and there's a lot. I think there's over two dozen because I think they did it for three or four years. I just don't quote me on that. But it went on for a while. There was a lot of movies that I think people would be surprised like front. Oh, I'm not talking about it next. I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> but there's another one that I think people are going to be surprised. Like, oh my God, I forgot. You know what I mean? And, but yeah, Penny Dreadful, I feel like nobody talks about. Um, yeah, I don't think I, yeah. Nobody's really talked about this movie. So there you go. Go try to find it. I think Mimi Rogers is in it. I think that that's, yeah, there was somebody pretty famous in it. So anyway, definitely go check it out. It was worth it small closed sets and scenes and claustrophobic type scenarios you know what I mean so I feel like if you like those kinds of things this is right up your alley and then we have Saw 3 another third franchise installment this year crazy Ugh. and this is the Saw that really took a hard left on the violence and the revenge I really like the topic of Jeff overcoming being vengeful over his son's death Darren Lynn Bousman did an, another fantastic job in this movie. I know that it's not for everyone, but minus the violence, it's a pretty compelling story of what he's trying to get Jeff to fucking realize. Yeah, does he need to do it through all these tests? Probably not. But he was so wrapped up in his own, you know, and I feel like this movie did a really good job of culturing the story in critical, quick flashbacks. You know what I mean? Little, little tidbits of scenes that really give you a lot and that you didn't think you'd need. You know what I mean? And this movie just had a lot of great twists. I felt like it, yes, it's graphic. Yes, it's disgusting at times. But if you literally take out the violence, we're dealing with a man who lost his son because a guy made a mistake and the guy didn't have to pay for this boy dying. Right. So I get it. We all make mistakes. It was an accident, but there was no consequence for the man who hit him unless it's the consequence of living with the fact that he had killed a child. So that's a deeper thing that is more of a drama rather than a horror movie. So I kind of liked how they really pulled that out and was like, what can we do with this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, all right, let's go. Let's get heavy. So, you know, I definitely, you know, props on my end for that movie next up we have see no evil now i think i saw this one but now i think i'm honestly confusing these movies with the chrome skull ones <laughs> because danielle harris is in both of the part twos of them and i'm just a fucking idiot and i know i watched chrome skull the first one and I think that that's why I'm like, I don't know if I saw the first See No Evil. Oops. Um, so, yeah. But this was a new style of slashers, and the story is original. You know, it's a scene of graphic murders, and then four years later, a bunch of people go back to the hotel to clean it out, and some shit happens, and I definitely need to rewatch it. Or watch it for the first time. Probably for... I, I think I'm confusing Chrome Skull and this. Even though they're not the same. FYI, not the same. <laughs> Not at all. I just, like I said, Danielle's in both part twos, Danielle Harris. And I think I'm just fucking crazy. And 
I think I watched the Chrome Skull part one. And then, yeah, because I think when I was watching the um, See No Evil 2, I was like, I don't know if I've seen this. And then I was like, have I? <laughs> and then now I think I'm thinking, I'm just getting confused with a different, totally different set of movies. Good job, Jackie. What kind of fan are you? Great. No, I'm just kidding. So yeah, See No Evil. All right, we're almost to the end of 2006. All right, then we have Silent Hill. Ugh, it's such a dark movie. Meaning, it's been hard to watch because it's bright out. <laughs> so it's been a while since I've seen this. And it's based on a video game. This movie is about a woman whose daughter has nightmares and screams out about Silent Hill. The mother takes her daughter there and then the daughter goes missing. Right? Like, what? Crazy. Anyway, another original story without slasher tropes. So now we're getting more into leaning into the video games, but this one did a better job than House of the Dead, as I explained. So I know that the, these movies have a pretty big following. So I maybe I'll wait till the fall or winter to watch it when it's fucking dark out. <laughs> and I'd be able to without all the glare on my TV. All right. And then we have Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning. Not my favorite installment, but I do love Jordana Brewster and thought that this movie was decent enough. But here we have a prequel to the franchise that feels very similar to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Jessica Biel. And the only thing that's different is the fact that the characters are different. It takes place a few years, I think, before, like a year or two before the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, I mean, but we have a young Matt Bomer. Goes without saying, everybody starts in horror. No, shirtless young Matt Bomer. Excuse me. Yeah, worth it. No, um, I will say that there are a lot of scary moments in this one, but not as much as the first one, I will say. This one... There are a couple that are, ooh, like, but not as bad as, yeah. It's it's not as strong, but the ending will definitely make you feel like it is. So, that's the only thing. So, yeah. Good, but not the best. Up next, we have Teresa's Josh DeHamel shirtless in a horror movie. Yes, please. Also, Olivia Wilde and Melissa George and other, other 2000 actors. It's about a bunch of friends backpacking in Brazil, and they party but are drugged and all their stuff is stolen and the adventure begins. <laughs> so it's like a tiny slice into the story, but they like try and find help. And of course they fall victims to the Oregon black market, which is gross. And I'm sure fucking ruthless, kind of like 12 hour shift, another great fucking movie. But, um, I definitely saw this years ago. I think it was on either HBO or it was on, um, what's it called? Tubi. But you know, I feel like it was, it was okay. I, I feel like I've watched so many movies. Like, a lot of them are a blur. Unless I've seen them more than once, it's a blur. Or if I watched it recently, it's a blur. But, yeah, another one I should probably add to my list. But, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I have heard about some people talk about this movie. Because I think the, the streaming access availability has been fairly okay on this one. So, it's not like it's been lost. You know what I mean? And lastly, we have the remake of 
when a stranger calls. So I own it and have probably seen it twice. And the last time was in 2012. So I don't really remember if it's exactly like the original or if it did change everything. From the reviews, it sounds like it sounds like the remake of Cabin Fever in 2016, word for word and unnecessarily remade. What I don't understand is how you can make a movie not scary. Not saying that it's easy, but out of everyone that works on a movie, no one can help. I don't know. I just feel like it happens so often where the movie is just not scary and it's a fucking horror movie and you're like, how did how did you want to make a horror movie? How did you get the right? How did you how did you get approved? <laughs> All right, so we got a the honorable mention lists on both of these are fucking massive because these two years had a ton of movies. So let's get through it. Fido always saw the cover of this and thought, huh, a zombie for a dog. Weird. Has anybody seen it? I have not. Nightmare Nan. Blah, blah, blah. Nightmare Nan? <laughs> Nightmare Man with Tiffany Shepis. Saw it and was a little weird. I'll leave it at that. Just some just weird scenes and weird dialogue. It wasn't a bad movie. It just, yeah, yeah. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Pulse with a young Kristen Bell, a Japanese remake. Pumpkinhead, Ashes to Ashes. What the heck? These go on forever. Barely even saw the first one. And then we got Underworld, Evolution, Wicked Little Things, another eight films to die for movie. And how am I just realizing that Scout Taylor Compton is in it? Oh, God. Well, I probably did see it in 2007, so there's that. And I honestly don't remember it. And then last up, we have The Working Man with, with of course, the Nick Cage. Oh, man, how cheesy was he in this? I know so many people that actually like this over the original. And I have to say, I don't even know if I've seen the Nick Cage one. I have absolutely seen The Wicker Man. But I cannot say I've seen the one with Nick Cage. So I'm, I'd be curious to check it out. Because, I mean, honestly... Everything I've seen him in is just fucking delicious. <laughs> like, let's be serious. Okay. All right. So now on to 2007. So 2007 has a, a big uh, honorable mention list. So, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be funny. First up, we have 28 Weeks Later. So this is the sequel to 28 Days Later. And these are like just scary. The second one I didn't feel like was as scary. It lost some of the grittiness that the first one had. So it definitely felt, it was still scary, but it had a different kind of scary feel. Felt a little more sterile, but I mean, they're still running zombies and they're still fucking terrifying. So, you know, it's just, this movie just moves, you know, the opening scene of, I actually like referred to the wrong movie, but the opening scene where the family's on the farm and everything's fine and then all of a sudden it's not and then they're running for their fucking lives and it's just like bad like it just it just is so quick that everything happens and that's the crazy part you know and that's what is so scary about these movies next up we got 30 days a night and then here we have one of the scariest vampire fucking movies ever ever made holy shit did this scare the crap out of me when I first saw it? Definitely remember renting it very soon after it was available, and I loved it. Josh Hartnett, Hart, ugh, Josh Hartnett, Josh Hartnett, and horror again? Fuck yeah! Also, Melissa George is in it. Um, plus, these aren't your typical romanticized, romantical vamps. They're killers, just strictly sucking blood and existing. 
scary shit. <laughs> so it takes place in a part of Alaska where it is 30 days of night for one month out of the year. And these vampires have found this place and have decided to have an endless buffet. But yeah, that's a, that's a really great movie and, you know, leaning away from Twilight, even though Twilight hasn't even come out yet, by the way. And, you know, really leaning into the scary part of the vampires rather than the theatrical, dramatic, you know, wooing vampire. You know, this is just straight up like, fuck off, I'm going to suck your blood and you're going to die. Bye. (laughs) Or become a vampire, you know. But there's like really great overhead shot scenes of this movie too, of the carnage that's happened in the town. And it's just, it's just a really interesting you know, story for this, you know, I, I definitely appreciated this being a little more, um, original. And then we have 1408, a Stephen King short story that was made into a movie, more of a thriller than horror, but it's very deep emotionally. So it's, you know, kind of probably why. And yeah, there's just a lot of like dramatic things that happen in this room. Time loop shit is wild. This movie really dives deeper than most into our minds and how we've evolved But, you know, what else do you really expect from Stephen King nowadays? Like, come on. I just watched this recently and was not disappointed. So if you haven't watched it, definitely check it out. Definitely different than a lot of movies. Then we have Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Ends with the last left off with a predator carrying a chestburster. I was reading up on the plot of this and honestly, I don't remember this one. Man, my mind is shut. But I never get through this series if I watched each one before recording, which would be insane. But I do enjoy these movies merging with the Predator and, you know, and the alien worlds together and almost forcing us to believe the evolution of them together is how the original alien happened wild stuff (laughs) I really I like all the easter eggs in these movies I just they're just fucking fun they're a little more action but I I don't know I still like them but I think I need to check out Requiem again because I think I'm forgetting all right and then we have Dead Silence a movie that feels almost like two movies I've tried to watch this a few times and every time the second half just loses me I I just have to like one day just like commit, like don't watch anything. And the first thing that I watch is dead silence. (laughs) But, you know, I think it's time to revisit this James Wan doll movie. All right. And then we have the deaths of Ian Stone. Okay. Hear me out. This was pretty original. Death following you around and almost giving you a multiverse world of yourself to live in life or Okay, hear me out. This was pretty original. Death following you around and almost giving you a multiverse world of yourself to live in a different life after you die each time because they're coming to get you. Wild. Check this out if you haven't. It stars a young Mike Vogel and Jamie Murray from Dexter, Once Upon a Time and more. Also part of the eight films to die for. I do own this and I've seen it a few times and it's... It gets a little weird because you're like, what is really happening? But then once, if you just stick with it and then you're like, oh shit, this is, this is, yeah, I I really liked it. All right. We can finally talk about this movie, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Okay. Let's go. Obviously this isn't going to be a whole episode talking about it, but we're, we are going to talk about it. Look, this movie walked so the 2018 reboot could run. 
Okay, a hundred fucking percent. Nobody is going to convince me otherwise that we would have gotten the 2018 and Halloween Kills out of nowhere if this movie wasn't made. You're fucking lying if you're saying that you're fucking lying through your fucking teeth. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, but I don't believe that. I, I just, you know, but for real, this movie was so much more brutal than the original. And I liked that. I liked that he was ruthless and we got to see more. I liked that it was modern, but he kept it in some of the things from the original one. You know, I used to not like it over the original But over the last, like, five or six years, it's absolutely grown on me. And obviously because Danielle's in it, I fucking love it. But, you know, I just really feel like it's not as bad as everybody fucking loves to say that it is. You know, I feel like he did a better job than most people do in reboots. I feel like he was trying to make his own movie. So, of course, it's not going to be the cookie-cutter Halloween that we all watched when we were younger. It's not going to be the movie that, you know, in 2007 that you can watch with the children. No, of course he was going to make it way more vulgar. But yeah, glad it came out. But I definitely don't think we would be seeing or we would have seen Michael Myers the way we saw him. You know, yeah, he leaned in on the sister story. He leaned in on, you know, um, some things that people didn't really love, like the, the trailer, you know, low life life that Michael had like some people didn't like that that opening part of him was a big bulk of the movie and for me I felt like without it the movie would have had a very boring cookie cutter tone and that's not Rob Zombie so you know what I mean like I feel like you're not gonna force him to make a fucking you know I don't know like I I mean, I'm surprised he did the monsters. Shit. You know what I mean? But back in 2007, no, I I would have never thought it would have been a gentle movie. <laughs> but anyway. All right. Speaking of gentle movies, Hostel Part 2. Love the girl power in this movie. After listening to Heather's interview on Talk Scary to Me about her death scene in this, kind of breaks my heart for other horror actresses. A little traumatizing and being upside down and tied up naked, I might add is fucking scary. But I do love that Roger Bart and fucking Richard Berge are in this. And, you know, it's a little more humorous than the first one, but still I feel like almost just as scary. You know what I mean? I, I feel like this, this one has a different outcome than the first one. Um, and it has a totally different dynamic to the girls and the people that we follow who then some of them get killed. So, I liked that they went a totally different way. I really, I really liked that. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Okay. And next up we have The Mist, another Stephen King novel. This time though, he turned it into a movie. And boy, does this one pack a fucking punch. The ending? Yeah. Whew. I remember the first time I read the book. Um, Oh God. I was... So this is 2007. So I probably read the book in high school. I probably read it. I don't even know when it came out. I could have even read it in college, but I don't know. I didn't look that up before talking about this, but I do remember reading the book before seeing the movie. And I remember reading the book and the way he describes what they're seeing in the mist 
and the scene in the garage when the kid um, gets taken and toward the beginning when they like when they see the mist in the garage and stuff like that I feel like the book describes it so with so much more dread that you already know in the book what's gonna fucking happen whereas in the movie only if you've read the book because there were certain parts of the movie that I'm not... See, this is where, like, my mind gets furry. Fuzzy? Furry. I like furry. Uh, gets fuzzy because I don't remember if the book... Obviously, not everything from the book is in there. But I do think that it does have a lot more emphasis on the army base that's there. I know this is this is a book that I would love to read and The Cell was also a great great book. Um I cried reading that. I don't really cry reading Stephen King books, but it, that one was hard because somebody died in it in The Cell and the way it was I just remember being in my mom's bed like just fucking crying like, "Oh my god, this is terrible." Um anyway, tangent. Um but yeah. I do I do have a goal to, like, revisit all the, the King books that I've read. I've just been a little lazy, <laughs> so I gotta stop that, but that's all right. Okay, then we got P2. Unleashed our fear of being in a parking garage alone, so thank you. Um, but it, you know, brought that to new heights, if you will, haha. <laughs> and, you know, this movie is pretty good, although I feel like you can kind of see the ending from afar, which kind of sucks. Uh, so I will say, like, I hate it when you know the thick of the plot too early. And some people, that can be a catalyst for a twist. Some people, if you're going to do it, if you're going to reveal it early. But if you're just going to, like, fucking dangle it in front of everybody and just throw it out there and then continue the movie with that information and that's it... I don't know. I maybe I need to revisit this. It's been a bit, but I I remember it was pretty thrilling. It was original, cat and mouse type of game. You know what I mean? I I definitely liked it. I don't remember hating it, but I do think I remember being like, ah, oh, fuck. I know what's gonna happen. You know what I mean? But I feel like this was also the time when there wasn't the storytelling wasn't as um what's the word? Because I don't want to say. I don't want to put people down because I'm not a fucking writer. I'm not trying to be nice, but there was no, the thought process of some of these movies was not as in depth as it should be. In my opinion, horror movies cannot be um, surface level. Absolutely not. That's a boring movie right there. Even in comedy, it's fucking boring. Unless you're going to take that material and do something special with it and really highlight some great things and, you know, be insightful. And I just feel like, you know, horror can really get pigeonholed into like, people are dead. It's a killer. We kill him at the end. It was your ex-boyfriend. Yay. Like, <laughs> and that's not, you know, that's not fun anymore. It's only fun if it's your ex-boyfriend. If we thought it was him and he was cleared as a suspect and then He's really your boyfriend from middle school that then changed his name. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like it's got to be a fucking dumb, complicated story to really win me over. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's really what I'm saying. Um, write better. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. All right. Next up we got Planet Terror, Grindhouse, Death Proof, however you want to refer to that double 
you know, double feature, grindhouse, whatever. But this is when I came out. <laughs> and finally, we get to briefly talk about my favorite, sorry, it's John, my favorite Tarantino movie, Death Proof. Yeah, I know it's a double feature, but I've really only seen Planet Terror once. Surprise, surprise. And I know they're both good and, of course, perfectly shot. The music just so in sync with you know with what's going down like in the movie like Quentin just has this fucking amazing brain or people around him to I don't even know who picks the music for his movies I have no idea if it's him I I would love to hear that creative process or a tiny piece of it you know what I mean but I've always been curious how you know it uh it happens. But like, I remember the first, I mean, I literally remember the first time I watched it. I was dating this guy and he knew that I think I had said like, I've really, you know, he wanted to watch a comedy and I was like, ugh, I've already seen it. It's dumb or I don't like that movie or whatever. And he asked me if I had seen Death Proof and I was like, no. And it was 2011 at this point And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I've, I've never seen like, what do you mean? What do I mean? I've, I've never seen it. And now this is also the transitional period where movie rental places were not existent. I don't really know if Redbox was a thing. Um, Netflix was transitioning to streaming and they were not doing the Blu-rays or anything anymore. So, or they were like leaning away from it and there was only like certain things you could get. So, like, it was kind of hard to watch something if it wasn't in the theater. And we watched it. And I remember immediately being like, oh, God. Because I loved the Kill Bill movies. And I remember being like, God, this is going to be just like Kill Bill. Fuck yeah. And I remember the first set of girls. So there's two sets of girls in the movie. There's the Jungle Julia, the girl who gives... um. Kurt Russell, the lap dance, you know, Rose McGowan, Jordana or Jordan. Um, oh my God. I'm freezing up on her name. Lad, Jordan Lad. Oh, so yeah, that first group of girls, the race, she's the jungle. Julia is a radio DJ. So those girls, their car accident scene when jungle Julia's leg flies out the car and just like lands on the pavement and jiggles and it's like perfectly slow motion. And I mean, obviously it's fake, but how many times have you stuck your feet out the fucking, you know what I mean? Especially like in the nineties and shit when we were with friends. Yeah. I'd want to put my feet up on the dash or put them up out the window. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like after this movie that, that scene changed me. That scene of, of Quentin showing you how all the girls met their fate in that movie with that car accident every time he turned on he pulls the lights on his old car and he turns them on I just I felt like that was masterfully done I just I don't know I he's one of my favorite movie makers to watch in his movies and I will say after Death Proof because after he did Death Proof he did um Inglourious Bastards and then he started to tone down everything <laughs> minus Django. No, no, no. I meant like he started to, to not go crazy. He started to, to have purpose with his story. You know what I mean? Um, but anyway, 
I just, I love Death Proof with the music. And I'm sure Planet Terror has great music too. It's just, it's been a bit. I remember little pieces of it, but I absolutely do not remember the whole thing. Um, yeah, it's been a while. But, you know, definitely something I, sh I should probably go visit. Revisit. There we go. Okay, next up we got Return to House on Haunted Hill. So, not a great sequel. Pretty sure it didn't come out in theaters. Or if it did, it was select and then it just went straight to DVD. Uh, Serena Vincent and Amanda, Ry Amanda Rietti, who's also in the OC, appears in this. Amanda Rietti's also in the Friday the 13th remake from 2009, which we will be talking about probably in the next episode. And... This is, you know, a less appealing chapter of this of the Jason. Oh, this isn't Jason. Sorry, of the Return House on Haunted Hill story, but it tries and it tries to like, you know, be scary and it just it just fails. <laughs> just you know, I'm just not a massive fan of this one, kids. Sorry, but if you are cool, I just yeah, not for me. <laughs> just not, eh, eh. All right, and then we have Saw 4. So this one is a, another part of the series that Darren Lynn Bousman directs, and it's a parallel to story to Saw 3. Shameless plug to my Saw series episodes. No, but it really is. It's a side-by-side -side story of the third one. So the third one, okay, we know what's going on. Spoiler alert, you may not know it's a side-by-side -side story until it's too late. So I will say that Saw 4 has a twist. I don't think anybody, like I remember seeing it the first time being like, what the fuck? Like, holy shit. And then seeing the fifth one and then holy, like it was just like, wow. Okay, this is, it's just this this one for me meant business. You know what I mean? Because this is also when we have Detective Hoffman. You know, he becomes the main player from now on. So it's, yeah. Anyway, go listen to my series. I'm just kidding. All right. Next up, we got Species, The Awakening. How the fuck are these movies still a thing in 2007? Holy shit. Jesus. The first one was barely good, right, guys? Like, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's very cheesy. I remember being at a slumber party and I'm pretty sure we were supposed to be like in a tent outside. And I remember we watched it because we like couldn't stay outside. I just feel like we were just like fucking too much energy. And I remember I was like 10 or so. It was like a big year for fucking scary movies for me. And I remember the first time we watched it, I had also had for the first time the Chewy chips ahoy cookies so i will always remember that <laughs> always remember that sleepover but yeah i mean i think this was like one of the first times that like i stayed up till like one or two in the morning you know what i mean and as like a 10 year old i didn't really do that because i am and was a child that needed fucking sleep so like yes i slept out but my mom was always very hesitant for me to sleep out because i'd be a disaster the next day so, yeah, I mean, I probably was a disaster after this sleepover. Mom, I watched a woman try to... I watched an alien try to have sex with men and procreate. <laughs> Could you imagine going home to your mom like that, telling her that's what you did? <laughs> You're never sleeping over her house again. How about that? <laughs> no. All right. And then we have teeth. 
Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> the mutant vagina story. <laughs> uh, with the kid from Nick Tuck. With the kid from Nip Tuck and Hostel 3. Fun fact. Um, what a trip this movie was, huh? And no slasher tropes and a brand new subgenre. Killer genitalia. <laughs> no, this movie was... It's more than just her vagina. It's about consent. It's about becoming a woman. It's about what getting your period means. It's about being an adolescent and feeling things that you and hormones and stuff that you were not used to and it just overwhelming you and they just decided, you know what, let's throw this into a movie and make her vagina have teeth. Here we go. (laughs) So um, it's about you know, all the weird shit we did when we were fucking teens and awkward and all that stuff. So it's, it's been a while since I've watched it. Definitely not for everybody. Um, but I, I guess it's kind of a horror comedy, but it's been so long that I'm not sure if it really is, but I want to say it is. Let's hope it is. Yeah. I don't know how serious, but oh well, (laughs) definitely go see it if you haven't. It's, It's fucking worth it. And then we have Trick or Treat. Definitely like this the first time I saw it, which was like 2010 or 11. And then I didn't see it again until like 2018. You know, I just, such a great anthology comic style story. You know what I mean? I feel like I love that they embraced little tales from the crypt, little creep show, little, you know, goosebumps, a little bit of that, and really gave us a great wraparound story. You know what I mean? Oh, the music, the vinyl, amazing. Michael Doherty did an excellent job on this as one of his first, you know, first movies. And, you know, there's lots of recognizable stars in this. Leslie Bibb, Brian Cox, Anna Paquin, um, lots of other people that I don't know their names off the top of my head. But definitely worth checking out if you have not yet. And if you haven't, I don't know what the fuck you've been doing. No, I'm just kidding. No, but seriously, go check it out. It's worth it. It's really fun, really fun movie. Definitely. Probably, you know, I bet you could watch this at a party. I mean, I showed it at a movie night, uh, at exhibit a back in the fall. Yeah, I did do it for Halloween. Yep. Cause we dressed up and cause it was outside. That's why I was like trying to remember. Yeah, we did it in the fall and it was really fun. And a lot of people came up to me after the movie and were like, wow, that was really great. And then when I started telling them other facts about it, they were like, oh my God, I had no idea. And this was such a great movie. How has this gone under the radar? And how is this not on TV? And I think now they might show it on AMC Plus, but I'm not sure because Warner Brothers owns it. So it was on, um, I think it was on Max for a bit. Just keep your eyes peeled. I feel like it's, it shows up on free streaming, um, every now and then so if you haven't seen it or if it's been a bit you know don't forget to go check it out all right and last before we get through this giant fucking list of honorable mentions holy crap i just (laughs) scroll through it jesus i told you 2007 had a fuck ton of movies um last but not least for the big movies that we're going to talk a lot about are is vacancy now, I totally forgot fucking Ethan Embry was in this, but we have Ethan Embry, Luke Wilson, and Kate Beckinsale starring in this very gripping thriller. Luke and Kate play a couple that stays in a motel and discovers that they make snuff films there from a tape that they find in their room. Totally remember renting this, and it was scary. 
um, an original story for sure. Um, and, you know, damn, it's been a while. I remember, it's kind of like, it kind of reminded me of a little bit of like Joyride and that scene where he's, it's cat and mouse type of scenario. And it, it really had a, a good twist in the story. And I think there's other movies in this, I think this is a franchise, quote unquote. I think there are more of these, but I don't quote me on that. I think there's at least one more. I don't think Luke Wilson's in it or Kate Beckinsale, but you know, not, I'm actually not surprised to see her in a horror movie. So, you know, that, that, that's, that's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean that, that, that movie totally, you know, I feel like there's so many original movies that came out this year. You know what I mean? And I'm about to go through so many more. So why don't I do that before I have my fucking speech? All right, first up, we got Borderland, another eight films to die for movie. Also, Drive Through with Leighton Messner and Nicholas Dagisto from Final Destination 5. I'm like just r- rand- ranting off random movies that I've found. Well, Nick was in Final Destination 5, sorry, not Leighton. That movie, um, Drive Through, had really bad reviews. Yikes. Ed Gein, The Butcher of Plainfield with Kane Hodder. Frontiers, which is also part of the eight films to die for, but it's French and it just got a nice release uh, recently and I bet a bunch of you just bought it. I think Second Sight um, just did a really nice release of it. So if you didn't know, it was part of the eight films to die for. So it came out in 2007 and yeah, it was released under this film, After After Dark Film Fest. Then we have um, Hills Have Eyes Part 2. Definitely like this one. Unsure if it's the same as the Part 2 original. Kind of like, you know, is it the same or is it totally different? It's an army that has been infiltrated by these, you know, people in the hills and whatnot. So I liked it. It had a lot of recognizable people in it. I'm not going to list them off, but I definitely was pleasantly surprised watching Hills Have Eyes Part 2. Uh, next up, we got The Hitcher with Sophia Bush. Again, don't remember watching this. Sometimes these kind of cat and mouse games and movies annoy me um, because if they're solely based on him just fucking chasing after her the whole movie, uh, yeah, gets a little boring. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, cool, she hides, he finds her. She hides, he finds her. Like, It's kind of like how The Walking Dead just got into that fucking endless time loop of Ooh, let's build a community. Oh no, it got taken over and destroyed. <gasps> let's build a community. Oh no, it got taken over and destroyed. <laughs> like, I feel like we can't keep falling victim to our own storylines <laughs> and repetitiveness. So, um, I, you know, I, I'm thankful that at least some movies don't do that. Next up, we got Inside, that French pregnancy invasion movie. Oof, that movie is fucking crazy, but fucking good. Like, I would want to buy a nice copy of that because it was fucking good. There's not a lot of dialogue in it, so I feel like for me, because of the subtitle thing where I don't love subtitles because I feel like I miss the movie because I'm just, like, fucking reading, so I don't love it all the time, but I feel like with this one, it's okay because they're not, it's not a conversating movie. You know, they're not just talking throughout it. So it works. Then we got Lake Placid 2, which gets a mention, if only for Betty White. <laughs> so some great one-liners in those movies. If you haven't seen the fucking, you know, gifs of it, then I don't know what you've been doing. No, I'm just kidding. No, but fun movies. 
um, there's not really like tropes, I would say, in alligator movies, but if anything, the tropes are like swimming in the water and like doing things you're not supposed to be doing, drinking and swimming in the water, or somebody tells you that there's alligators in there and then they still go swimming, you know what I mean? So, um, I've never seen all of the Lake Placid movies. I've, I think I've barely seen the first one and two. Then we have The Messengers with Kristen Stewart right before she did Twilight. What did I say? Everybody starts in horror. No, I'm just kidding. Um, she didn't start in horror, but she's in this. And I think it's the one where, like, a murder of crows, like, follows her and shit. Am I saying it right? I'm just kidding. I don't really remember what it's about, but I remember there was a lot of crows, a scarecrow, or maybe that was the second one. I don't fucking know. Um unmemorable movie on my end but I also saw it fucking like 15 years ago was that even 15 years ago um no yeah yeah 15 years ago (laughs) yeah oh god that's scary to think about but yeah so haven't seen it but I think I think I know a couple people I don't really hear people talking about it now you know what I mean but I'm sure some non-horror fan fucking loves it (laughs) excuse me um, no, no. Oh, and why does nobody talk about My Name is Bruce? Found this on the list. It's a comedy horror movie um, that Bruce Campbell did with Ted Ramey, not Sam. Definitely want to check this out. It looked like Bruce Campbell plays himself as an actor. So, like, he's an act. The movie's about him, Bruce Campbell. And then, like, people find him and they're like, oh, yeah, you're Bruce. And I don't know. It's just the plot seemed really funny and silly, but, like, at the same time, like, perfect for him. And if, if you've seen this, please show me that you have the DVD or something. I'd be so fucking stoked. Um, but I, I kind of want to check that out. So I'll, I'll keep you guys posted. And then we got another Pumpkinhead installment, Blood Feud. Jesus, how many of those are there? God, I thought there was like four. I guess there's like nine. No, I'm just kidding. I think there's only like five or six, right? God. Um, and then we have The Reaping with Hilary Swank. Definitely saw it and forgot about it. Uh, feel like I saw it. My, you know what? I fucking know. I got a fucking story. Uh, let's go down memory lane. No, I totally remember getting baked out of I just hit my mic sorry baked out of my mind uh, in college because I was dating this guy and he had moved away and then came back I'm like trying to remember why this was a big deal but either way I think yeah I think he did like move back and I was all excited even though like it doesn't mean like we're gonna be together um but I remember like we were talking again and trying to like whatever I wanted to be his girlfriend. And he was just like, I just kind of want to have fun like most guys in college. And I remember like we had like a date and he rolled a blunt. Yep. (laughs) We're getting, we're getting into it guys. This is not for kids. Um, he rolled a blunt and then we went on a burn cruise up Texas. Uh, I'm not even going to say it because if I say it, everybody's going to fucking, so I'm not even going to say it. Uh, around this place where people do burn cruises when I went to college and oh god I lost my place um but then I remember he was like let's go to Walmart and pick out a cheap movie like five dollar bin at Walmart and I was like yeah let's do it and I remember I was so 
But I, I didn't smoke that regularly in college. I smoked like maybe on the weekend and I don't even think it was every, actually it was every weekend, but it wouldn't even be like every day on the weekend. It almost always was a Sunday that we would get together and be hung over and smoke, but it was at night and stuff. But if I smoked, yeah, like, so this date was kind of like a non-regular smoking time for me. But I was getting older and doing it a little bit more. But anyway, I was baked out of my mind. And I remember he was like, let's watch The Reaping. And I was like, yeah, like, I wanted Hilary Swank's a great actress. Like, let's go. She's in horror. Oh, God. I was way too high to be dealing with Jesus that night. I, I didn't. I had no idea what I was getting into. And I still don't know what I'm getting into. So I don't really remember it. Yeah. Don't remember it. I barely remember if the date was even good. I want to say the date was probably fine. I probably didn't remember the movie because we probably were making out. um, Because that's what you do when you're younger. You just fucking make out. And yeah. I was really good with him. I was very conservative. Not that anybody needs to know. But I was very like, yeah, I'm not having sex with you. I'm not doing anything with you. (laughs) Oh, God. Anyway. um, So, yeah, there's my story about the reaping. The more you know. (laughs) I don't remember it. Um, All right. Next up, we got Wreck, which came out in Spain. So this, you know, Dawn, Quarantine, and all the other Wreck movies, which I'm only on. I saw Wreck 2. I don't think I. I, Did I watch Wreck 3? Yeah. I had the Rec 3 is the wedding. I didn't see Rec 4. Yeah, I think I've just seen the first. Or maybe I've only seen the first two. Either way, they were fucking scary. And I liked them. And But I also did like the quarantine remake. I felt like Jennifer Carpenter did a fucking terrific job of making me believe that she was fucking terrified. Right? She was a fucking freak show in that goddamn movie. She was unbelievably real. You know, I don't know. It was me. It was just me. Um, uh, then we have another Resident Evil. This time, Resident Evil Extinction. Um, there's so many of these, I'm like not even keeping up. That's why I'm not even mentioning them, because to me, those are action movies. Those are not really horror. They're action. She kicks ass the whole time. Okay, okay. Just making sure we're all on the same page. Uh, <laughs> and then I have another Eight Films to Die For movie called Tooth and Nail, which I never knew what this was about so reading it was super enlightening um but I always saw it it was like the one that had like the fucking rib cage on it with the butterfly or the skull and I was like what the fuck but Michael Madsen and Ryder Strong are in it awesome it's about an apocalyptic apocalyptic I can't say it world where society has collapsed after fossil fuels have run out and people have become cannibals guess I need to check this movie out so yeah tooth and nail don't forget to keep your eyes open for that and then we got wind chill with emily blunt never seen it but i've seen some people talk about it recently because i think it's been streaming on some things and then we have wrong turn Two: dead end epic opening scene but it's actually about a reality game show about survival in the woods or whatever and henry rollins has a memorable role in this one kids <laughs> So, yeah, that's the honorable mentions list. It was fucking long. It was fucking long, guys. It's fucking long. Um, but, yeah, I, I've actually been, like, really enjoying, like, reminding myself of, of these movies that 
I've watched or it's actually super fun to like reminisce with you guys about funny stories I have with them. So this has actually been like very um, soothing for me. Uh, I love anything nostalgia. I Anything that reminds me of, you know, college or a funny story of high school, like I, I will try to share as much as I can with you guys because I feel like that's, you know, part of the experience of these movies is, you know, like I remember the first time I watched Selena, you know what I mean? Like I feel like that movie will always hold a special, special place in my heart. And there are so many things that I feel like, yeah, I don't, I don't know why I was going to like go on a tangent about Selena, but we don't have to, Uh, (laughs) but no, I just, you know, I, I feel like I, I like to share, you know, those funny stories with you guys. And I like to share, because maybe it'll remind you of a funny time when you watched a certain movie or that movie I'm talking about, you know what I mean? But you know, I, I'm just so appreciative that I'm still able to record for you guys. And I'm so appreciative that you guys are still listening and sticking around. And I've just, you know, I just thank you so much. The review that I got recently was just awesome. So if you haven't yet, (laughs) don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Don't forget. It also helps to, you know, increase my reach. So the the more you do it or the, you know, the more people do it in general, the better it can get to other people, but also gets to other people because you spread the word. So thank you for telling your friends, telling your family, telling anybody. It's it's noticed and it's appreciated and I love you guys for it. So looking forward to talking about the last two years of the 2000s, 2008 and nine next time, guys. Woo. Wow. End of my college glory years. Wow. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> No, but seriously, it's this has been fun. This has been so fun. And if there's anything you guys need to add or want to add to the episode, please do not hesitate to reach out. You know how to find me. And until next time, kids, good night.